0: Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham.
1: Hey, I just want you to grab your Bibles if you have them. Grab your worship guide and uh, get ready to open it up. We want to welcome all of our campuses that's joining us, North Johnson and Full Throttle and Wannatal Campus, Online Campus. Hey, would you give them a good welcome this morning to be with us? Hey, it's good to have a friend, Dale, over here. This is Sunshine's friend, Dale, Miss Dale, his mom. It's great having you, buddy, in service with us this morning. How many had a birthday this month in October? This is, how many had a birthday? There's a couple I have a couple here. We have a board member that had a birthday, and he ran six miles at 60 years of age. That's pretty good. Terry, you did it, awesome. Come on. Give Terry a good hand he, Six miles. Somebody asked me how come I didn't run yesterday. I said, I ran yesterday. Matter of fact, my son-in-law and I and my two grandsons, we ran. I bet I ran five, six miles because we ran different points and tried to catch up with people, and cheer them on, and then we go back the other way. So we, we, we found a way to get in some miles. And uh, this morning, I want us to go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. We, we've been in this series of questions that, that Jesus asked. He asked over 300 questions. But we've been looking for the last several weeks. There was about 100 questions that was asked of Jesus. Out of those 100 questions that was asked, He only answers about eight or ten of those questions, depending upon the translation. This morning, I want to go to Matthew chapter 24, and I want us to look at three things that the disciples asked Jesus that very much touches where we are today. In Matthew's gospel, he says this. They they come to Jesus. They said, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Now, when the disciples started following Jesus, they had this longing that the day was going to come that all of the Old Testament prophecies would be fulfilled and the kingdom of God would be set up on this earth. They had this longing. These disciples, many of them had been taught or they heard so as they follow Jesus and they're getting down to some of the last few days and weeks of Jesus' physical, physical ministry on the earth. And they come to Jesus and basically they want to know three things. When would these things occur? Matthew 24, he starts talking about all these things. What's going to be the sign that Christ is coming? And when will the end of this present age be? Now, Matthew 24, when you start reading that, it details a list of signs that Jesus gives the answer to those questions. And as we study the conditions prior to the second coming of Jesus, most of us can understand that much of this has already taken place. So we we are near the coming of Christ. But as Jesus kind of starts wrapping this thing up, And he starts answering these questions, he he brings to them the very important point that as as the kingdom of God begins to come together, as as things start wrapping up, he addresses their questions about all the events that happen by basically dealing with four very what I call essentials from from Jesus as he teaches us on them. Because he wants us to understand. That what's going on then, over 2,000 years ago, what's going on today. It's so important that we bring clarity of why is this happening, what's going on. So, so the very first essential that Jesus makes mention of here, he says, I, I do not want you to be led astray. He says this in verse 5, see that no one leads you astray. Understand that, the, the activity that's going to start signaling the coming of Christ, Jesus said. There's going to be this widespread deception. There's just going to be this increase of false Christ. Now, now, here's the thing about it. Most of us, if you know much about the Bible, if you've been around the church very long or you've studied church history, most of us understand there were false messiahs even before Jesus shows up. There was various times of history... That, that people showed up and they claimed to be the Messiah. And, and we know today that there's always been various times in history. But at the end time, Jesus said the number and the influence that people, that the changes of being that led astray, he said they're going to increase. And Jesus said the probability is going to be there. Now watch this. He warns the disciples. He warns the disciples. The probability of being led astray is going to happen. There's gonna be, listen, in, in, in a matter of fact, if you if you know the story of Jesus, the disciples that's hearing what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 24, one of his disciples is named Judas. And just in a matter of hours or days, this disciple who sat and had seen Jesus teach, they've heard him, they've seen the miracle. They're sitting there hearing Jesus say, guys, I want to warn you of the possibility of being led astray. Only a few days later, Judas is going to be led astray by the devil, and he's going to what? He's going to betray Christ. You understand that? So listen, Jesus explains, because many will come in my name. He says this. Now watch you Many will come in my name, and he said they will lead many astray. So he's warning us. He's warning us to be aware. Listen, deception is nothing new. Having people try to take and and take Scripture and claim something or be something is nothing new. Matter of fact, look at 1 John 2 and 18. This This is the apostle John. He writes it. This is after Jesus has come and gone. He's went up to heaven. He said, children, this is the last hour. As you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, So now, many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know this is the last hour. There's going to be many that's come. There's going to be many more that will come that will lead many people astray. And people always ask me, said Pastor Phil, how can I be certain? How can I be sure that I don't get deceived in this last day? How can I be certain that somehow or another, I don't get led astray. Let me tell you a very simple way how to be sure. Read your Bible. Hello? Read your Bible. Listen, if we understand the fact, and, and I, I love this church. I love that we, we put Scripture on the screen. We put it in your worship, God, and I love that. But listen, what's more important, not that you listen to me. I want you to do that. But I want you, what really matters, I want you to know what the Bible says. I want you to know the truth of God's word. I was in the bank uh, the other day. We was doing some business for the Sunshine Community Center. And in the process of the conversation, I asked this question. How, how does all the tellers, how does people in the bank, with all the counterfeit stuff happening, all the? how do they stay up on their training? How do you train for all the deception, all the deceit that's going on with currency and with bank fraud? And listen, here's the simple answer. We know what the real looks like. Hello, we know what the real looks like. But we don't train our tellers on knowing every little mark that a, that a counterfeit $100 bill will have or $20 bill. We don't, we don't try to train how every little transaction on the web, this, that. What we train them is that if you know what the truth looks like, if you know what the real looks like, then... You won't be led astray. Can I tell you, it's the same way about this book. If we know that you're, listen, you don't have to know all the false doctrines of this world. You don't have to know every deception that, that people, all you need to know, what does the Bible say, how does it line up with the Word of God? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then, then you know to walk away from it. Well, that's good preaching, Pastor Phil. So the first essential, Jesus says, is, I want you to be sure that you don't get deceived. Secondly, he says, don't be alarmed, okay? And what's this? When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Why why would he say that? Because, listen, he wants us to know this has to take place. But the end is not yet. Listen, there's been war, there's been battles, there's been hatred ever since the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, Abel rose up and our and, and Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel. Listen, there has been war. There's going to be war in the book of Revelation when Christ comes down and he strikes his enemies. Listen, throughout human history, war reminds us that we live in this broken world. Throughout human history, the battles remind us that the, the, the aggravation, the, 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 all the hatred going on. Listen, it reminds us that we are living in the last days and we're longing for the day when Jesus Christ. Jesus said, listen, don't be alarmed. Nation's going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be earthquakes in various places. There's going to be famines. But these are the beginning. Everybody say beginning. They're beginning of what? Birthplace. Are they going to increase in intensity and, and, and frequency as the return of Christ draws near? Absolutely. We have so many expecting parents that have that had new babies. We've got some now that are expecting they're going to have more babies. I mean, we love it. We love to see crying babies in our church. We love to see that. But listen, every expecting parent knows that when they start feeling contractions, when they start having some birth pain, listen, they... Better be ready in order to reach the hospital or the birthing mama or the bathtub or wherever it's going to be born nowadays. You know, they they know something is happening. They have everything planned out. They they got everything that they need, they need to take with them if they're leaving their house, or everything, you know, in the room where it's gonna happen. Listen, some some of us have the idea that every time we see a new war, every time we see an outbreak of Another disaster, another human disaster, another natural disaster. Every time there's a coronavirus, every time there's something. Everybody, listen, there, there are so many people today that they tend to view the world in light of what they're going through. You follow me? We, we look at what's happening in light of, wow, this must be bad. We, I mean, we're really going through this. Listen, all through human history, there's always been something like this happening. What are they? They've just been birth pain. And in the case of the disciples, as they approach 70 A.D., when the, when the temple is going to be totally destroyed, that was the case. Then it's the case for the last 2,000 years that we, we've been having, the earth has been having these contractions. But rather than get preoccupied with, with the pain that we're feeling, what we have to do we have to understand that, wait a minute, listen, that this is just telling us we're closer than we think. that makes sense? So what's this? Jesus said, don't be led astray. Don't be alarmed. And then thirdly, he said, we have to be on our guard. Look at verse 9. He said, be on your guard. Now, the disciples, when are these things happening? What's going to be the sign? When is the end? He said, listen, I don't want you to be led astray. I don't want you to get alarmed. I tell people all the time, this is not the day for the church to be afraid. You understand that? Listen, there is never, 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 ever the possibility of a Christ follower walking in fear. You shouldn't. Is there opportunity? Yes. Is there things that we can see and, and we can experience it? Yeah. But listen, when those opportunities, the fear comes up, What we have to do, we have to focus on him that is greater and walk in faith and not fear. That's good preaching right there. We don't sit around with a remote control, changing channels and just just traumatizing. our. No, that's the enemy doing that to you. He said, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be afraid. And then he says, I want you to be on guard. He says this in verse 9. Be on your guard. Why? Because you're going to be delivered over to the council. You're going to be beaten in the synagogue. And you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. Now, most of us who know Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes, the birth of the church, most of us understand that the immediate application of that Scripture, you're going to be delivered over to the council. That Listen, the disciples started experiencing at that moment, right after Pentecost. They're being threatened. They're being cast into jail. Meaning Stephen is going to be killed for the gospel. Listen, the the immediate aspect of that was happening right then. But there's an extended aspect of that. Now, thankfully... In, in, in the American context, most of us in this room, most of us watching, we haven't been delivered, be, delivered before the councils yet and had to give an account for our testimony. Most of us, listen, we haven't had to stand before governors or our kings and give an answer. Listen, I don't think anybody got beat up coming to church today, did you? Did, did anybody say, oh, you're going to church, I'm going to beat the tire out of you? No. But he said, listen, that there, you're going to be beaten in the synagogue. And Jesus said, you're going to be hated by all, for my name's sake. Verse 13, you're going to be hated by all. Listen, you understand, at that time in history, the Jews hated Christians. The Jews hated Christians because the Christians believed Jesus was the Messiah. Christians believed that he was the promised child of God. The Jews hated Christians. Gentiles hated Christians because, listen, Gentiles believed that Christians was atheists because they wouldn't worship all the Roman gods that they were worshiping, and they, they considered Christians cannibals. Listen, Gentiles considered Christians cannibals because what we're going to do here at the end of this service when we take that bread and that, that juice that represents the body and the blood of Jesus the early church would practice that on an ongoing process. And the, and the Gentiles of the Romans said, they are just a bunch of cannibals because they're eating the body of Jesus and drinking the blood of Jesus. You follow me? They, they were experiencing all kinds of hatred. And Jesus said in, in, in John 14 and 20, you're going to be persecuted because, listen, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, again, most of us sitting in this room, we can be thankful we're not experiencing that yet. Hello? Yet. But do you understand, listen, do you understand uh, according to uh, the World Watch List 2023, there's 360 million Christians who suffer high levels of persecution or discrimination every day for their faith? One in seven Christians are persecuted around the world right now. They, the, the world watch list, and I encourage you, just write that down, World watch list. You can go there. You can see the stats for yourself. They look at the top 50 countries where the most danger, where it's most dangerous to follow Jesus. And the most dangerous country in the world still today, right now, is North Korea. Because in North Korea, if, if, if they discover that you are a Christian... If they discover that you follow Jesus Christ, you can either be deported to a labor camp and, and you'll be charged with a political crime or you'll be killed right on the spot. It's happening. Now, thankful we're not there. Yeah, come on, come on. We're not there, What? Yeah, but it's happening right now. In, in, in North Korea, if, if you're going... If you're going to worship with other believers, now listen, in America, we take this right here for granted. We take this assembly because there's so many churches you can go to. You just pick and choose, and there's people they do, they scroll on. I think I'm going to try, and we have people all the time say, well, we're just kind of church hopping. We're just kind of shopping around, kicking the tire, and that's okay. I'm, I'm gonna. If you're here doing that, great. But listen, you understand, in North Korea, if you want to worship with other Christians, you have to be given a secret code, and they identify secret places. It always changes. So 170 South, uh, uh, South State Road 49, Valparaiso, Indiana, that might be the place we're meeting today, but it might not be the place where we meet tonight for baptism. So you've got to stay alert. Hello? You've got to be in the know. You understand, we got Christians in America, look at your neighbor, said, our pastor loves us. Come on, just say, he loves us. We got Christians in America, if it's not convenient, they don't go. Well, you know, Pastor Phil, it's not really convenient to come back on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. You know, I go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, you know, to come back, pray, praise, watch people get ducked in water. It's just if you're in North Korea, some of the, some of the missionaries and things that, that we get word back through through our Simmons of God missionaries and some of the networks that we have with global ministries that we network with, you understand that Christians in North Korea and other countries, it's not just North Korea, that's the dominant, they long to be able to get together with other believers. Some of us in America, we wait till our service is almost over with worship before we even show up because we don't want to be bothered. And then before the pastor even finishes the eulogy and the final prayer, we want to dart out the door. We don't want nobody shaking our hands. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about you. That's some other people that didn't come to church. You understand how valuable this is? You understand how much more valuable? Listen, 1 Peter 4, 12. Let me just read the scripture. Some of you said he's meddling today. Listen, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when? When his glory is revealed. What Jesus is simply saying is, listen, birth planes are going to keep wrapping up. Contractions are going to get harder and harder. But you know what? Every mother will tell you, maybe maybe 99.99% of mothers will tell you, they will endure all the contraction. They will endure their body feeling like it's going to explode just because they know at the end of the journey they're going to hold that precious little baby in their arms. Follow me? When Rhonda, when our last child was born, Amber, when R- Rhonda grabbed my tie and she pulled me, I mean, she grabbed, I, that's one reason why I quit wearing as many ties. She pulled me down and she said, If you ever do this to me again, I will kill you. And for that moment, she meant it. But when that little baby was born and Amber was laid in her arms, she looked at me and she said, Oh, isn't she so precious? Let's have another. No. No. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, if we stay focused on the main thing, we can endure almost anything. We can endure any trial, any circumstance, any suffering. If we keep the hope before us, we're going to see Jesus soon. Does that make sense? So watch this. He said, don't be led astray. Don't be alarmed. Be on your guard. And then fourthly, the fourth essential, he said, do not get angry. We must not get anxious. When the trials, when circumstances, listen, why? Because the gospel has to be proclaimed to all nations. Now, what's this? What does that mean? Don't get anxious, but the gospel is going to be preached and then going to end. Listen, in in Mark's account of this, in Mark chapter 13, Jesus physically walks out of the temple. He literally walks out of the temple in the conversation, signifying that God's presence will no longer be signified or limited to the temple, but now his spirit, his power will inhabit the people. You follow me? His spirit's not, listen, the spirit, the presence of God, we call this the house of God, the church. Listen, this is not where God wants to dwell. Where does God want to dwell? Right here. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it's going to happen just in a matter of about 40 days. They're going to be up in the upper room. They're going to be waiting for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to come. Jesus said, you're going to receive power, and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's what happened in the book of Acts, in the days leading up to, to Jesus' leaving this earth and then promising that he's going to come back, he said the gospel is going to spread to the ends of the earth. Now, does that mean that that uh, the gospel has, has now gone everywhere and there's nowhere else for it to go? No. Matter of fact, there's another website. You can, it's, called the, it's called the Joshua Pro- uh, Project. The Joshua Project said that there's 17,000 446 people groups in the world, over 17,000 people groups. Out of the 17,000 people groups, there are 7,391 of them who, who are considered unreached. But think about it. that. That's over 42% of the world's population that is considered unreached. Now, what's this? When we talk about unreached, we're not talking about necessarily their lostness, we're talking about simply that there's over 42% of people that lack access, not availability. Listen, the gospel is being preached around the world. We have satellite, we have TV, we have radio. I mean, there's just about hardly any place you can go anymore. That's the reason why the, 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 web, the, the, the iPhone becomes so popular, apps become so popular, because you can go about anywhere in the world And you might not have internet, but you're going to have a cell phone. And listen, 42% of people have, listen, it it isn't so much their lack availability, they lack accessibility to the gospel. Now, what's this? One of the reasons why, and I tell you this, and I want to tell you, one of the reasons why we're doing the Sunshine Community Center Project is simply this. We want to go after the families uh, that have disability children, who somehow or another they feel like the church doesn't understand. There's not a person listening to me that doesn't believe that Jesus died for the world. You understand that? We all believe that, right? Come on. You know, nod your head like a chicken eating corn. Come on, you know. We believe Jesus. Jesus died for the entire world. There's not a person upon the face of the earth that Jesus isn't available to save them. Do you know what the problem is? They lack accessibility. of families that have disability children, the studies show it, tell us that they don't try to go to church simply because they feel like the church won't understand them or the church has no room or no accessibility for their children. Hello. Thus, the Sunshine Community Center. What we want to do, we want to step in with that. We want to meet the depression side. We want to meet the, the, the obesity side, the lack of mobility that a lot of these kids have, they don't have places to go, they don't have a network, they don't have relationship. We want to step in with a lot of these young families to help move them along. But ultimately, we want to be able to be lights for them to see Jesus shine. that makes sense? I want, I want people like Sunshine, and I want every disability child to enjoy what Christ can do for them in this broken world. You understand there's a peace that God gives us that nobody else can give. People all the time ask us, well, why does Sunshine sing on the worship table? She doesn't know all the words, right. But let me tell you, you can't watch her sing without for a few minutes thinking, man, that's pretty neat, right? It's pretty joyful to know how much fun she has. And, well, you know, we're about 15 minutes to drive And today when we get in the truck and we'll drive home, she will ask me five times at least or more, Dr. Phil, did I sound good today? And then she'll ask me, Dr. Phil, John needs to turn me up. I said, I know that hypocrite. He's bad about that. (laughs) Dr. Phil, did I sound good? Listen, it's about understanding that people need not just availability, they need accessibility. Look, look at 2 Peter 3 and I look at this verse real quick. He says this the Lord is not slack. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slow. Now listen, people all the time say, Well, why how come Jesus hasn't already come? How come he doesn't come back and fix this broken world, solve the problem? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but he's patient. Listen, towards you, why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to, re, to repentance. How many glad of God's patience? Paul, but here, how, how, how long have you been coming to Heartland? You've you been 15 years, probably, huh? 2005, you've been coming to Heartland. Somebody do the math real quick, 2023. How many? 18 years. What if 19 years ago, God would have said, you know what, Paul, I'm done with you. You knucklehead, you hard-headed, you truck driver, you biker, you. What if 19 years he would have given up? He had two daughters in youth service. I'm I'm sorry, I didn't didn't get permission. He had two daughters in youth service that was coming to youth. They got plugged in. Huh? They, They did. They got plugged into youth. And you know what? One of the, some of their prayer requests was praying for mom and dad. Now, Jerry comes to church too. She wasn't as hard-headed as, as Paul was, but he had her own issues, though. Come on. She, so. But what, what, if, what, if, what if 19 years ago, God said, I'm done. You know what? God was patient. How many more people are in the kingdom of God today? Simply because God's patient with you. Some of you, you're here, but you're not here yet. You're, you're listening, but you're not yet following as we sing about a while ago. But guess what? The Bible says God is patient. Pray, praise God that he's patient with us. You understand that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and all the apostles, they, they had no concept of the North America to, over 2,000 years ago. They, they had no concept that there would be a, a United States of America. But thank God he did. the The disciples had no concept. Let me, you know. People, people read the book of Revelation. They say, oh, it's so scary. Let me read you Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. This is what the Apostle John writes. Listen, Apostle John said, I saw a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes of people and languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Nation upon nation, tribes of people, languages. We have no concept sometimes of what the family of God is going to look like when we get there one day. You understand that? And I love that. Matter of fact, you know, if, if you study the book of Revelation just a little bit during during the last few years before His coming, during the seven-year tribulation. Come on, Pastor Lynn, Lindsay. The seven-year tribulation, there's, there's at least three different times or three different types of final evangelization, evangelizing that's going to happen during the tribulation period. Now, depending upon where you're at, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, but listen, three times during the tribulation, the first time is going to be two prophets that's going to rise up. Most theologians say, they, they think it's Elijah and Moses because those are the only two that didn't physically die and get buried like we think Elijah got translated. Moses died, but the Bible says God buried him. Some, some theologians believe that Moses basically got translated to heaven too. But these two witnesses, the Bible talks about they're going to witness and they're going to preach in the streets of Jerusalem. Now just think about this. Two guys are going to be preaching. CNN's going to be there with their camera. Fox News, CNBC, BBC, they're all going to be there. And that feed is going to go around the entire world. Every party will see these two guys. Social media will be going crazy. You follow me? And then there's going to be, at some point, 144,000. Most of people, most theologians think these are Israelites who get converted, who turn to the Messiah, Jesus, start Start believing accepting Him. They're going to be 144. They're, go, they're going to be the super Billy Graham's of the tribulation period. They're going to be preaching the gospel. They're going to have courage and faith that's going to be demonstrated. And then lastly, God is going to allow angels or angels themselves to be directly involved in flying through the air around the world. Preaching the gospel. That's the reason why people say, "Well, how's every tribe? How's everybody going to know?" Listen, God got it. <laughs> Woo! He knows how to do it. Just before Christ's return, just before the final door is shut, just before the act of grace is over with, He lets the two witnesses. He lets one hundred forty-four thousand. He lets the angel himself, and throughout the seven-year period, there's going to be. People witnessing the great miracles of God, I love that. We have been close to His coming for over two thousand years. You understand? So let me let me give you four parameters as I wrap this thing up, and then we're going to go to the Lord's table with communion. Because Jesus Jesus is going to teach us that He that endures to the end is going to be saved. Now listen. He's not talking about people, oh, I tell you what, I just I'm just trying to hold on to Jesus, God. I just no. The, the word endure there, the Greek word, it means to persevere. The person who perseveres, the person who relies totally upon the grace of God. He ain't talking about our own strength, he ain't talking about our own ability to do this. He's talking about when 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 we go through trials and struggles and circumstances, that we persevere. We don't let our hearts grow cold because he talked about it in Matthew 24. Because a wicked wickedness is going to abound. Guess what happened? The love of men is going to wax cold. People are going to get hard. You, you think we have a harshness and a hardness in our world right now? Wait till we get even closer. We're moving every day. That's going to be a hardness. Jesus said, the person that persevered. The person that pushes on, that keeps their focus upon you, not your problem. It's the reason why you got to constantly be looking up and reminding yourself, this ain't all there is. That's the reason why I truly believe God allows a certain amount of unsatisfaction in our hearts, no matter what we have, no matter where we go, no matter what we do. There's no vacation that you can go. There's no amount of money that you can finally make. There's no house that you can finally live in. That you finally sit down and said, man, this right here is it. You may feel like it for a minute, for a short period of time, but as soon as you drink the water on that vacation and you start getting all you go, oh, my God, this ain't heaven. I thought it was. Now I'm sick. Or the minute somebody's serving you doesn't show up or the food isn't. You follow me? You ever been to that place where you thought, man, this is, this is everything. Per-. No, nothing's perfect. God allows nothing on this world to finally fully satisfy us. Why? Because we wasn't meant for this world. When I saw Sunshine's face yesterday, finally, at close to the end, I, you know, I, I was getting concerned. I was trying to track them and trying to see. And I knew Rhonda said, I'm not going to be last. I probably won't be first, but I'm surely not going to be last. And uh, I told my son-in-law, I said, I'm going to run around the curve and see if I can. And, I, and, I, and I, I finally ran down about a block and I turned the curve. And there she was. I saw that face. She was smiling. <laughs> God, that's, that's going to be one day. That's going to be one day. But the smile will nothing compare to what God wants to do. Let, let, me, let me suggest to you four four principal priorities that we have to say. Number one, there has to be seriousness, not sensationalism. Listen, we have to shun the sensationalist approach as we we see the the end time events happening in our world. today. Anytime there's a crisis, anytime there's a natural disaster, anytime there's a COVID-19, whatever, listen, there's, there's a chorus of voices that that just start announcing, you know, man, this is, this is the Antichrist. This is, you know, the, the the shots or whatever. This is it. You know, but man, I mean, no, it's sensationalism. Listen, the problem with if everything is a sign, then nothing is a sign. You follow me? If everything becomes a sign to us, oh, this is it. This is, no, nothing is a sign. We keep We have to be careful that we don't manufacture every current situation in our time to be some sensationalist event that, well, this is it, I'm telling you what. Secondly, it has to be Scripture first, not headline. Listen, current events, headlines, world news, all the things that, listen, they have to be assessed in light of the Bible. Not the other way around. Listen, the, the danger rises, and, and some fall, fall, fall prey to the temptation that, that when, when some sensational event happens or some war or some cry, just like the whole Middle East right now, people, people then go to the scripture and they try to find some, of, uh, some obscure scripture and match it up and try to make it, well, this is it. No, scripture first. Scripture, first. and we can read that. We can we can read the scripture. The Euphrates River is is continuing to dry up right now. Read Ezekiel 37-38 When the armies come in, really against Israel, like they're going to come, they're going to march in, and the Euphrates River will not listen. But well, we can't say, "Oh, that's uh, that that's not." Listen, we have to just keep our mind on the scripture. Right? Come on. Third thing. Third thing Jesus is talking about, now watch this. He's talking about the second coming, not his rapture. I'm I'm not going to try to get in the weeds on this, but listen. Everything that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke, listen, is is directly related to the second coming of Jesus back to this earth. When he comes back and every eye sees He's not talking about the rapture. He's not talking about the catching away. He's not talking about the dead in Christ arising up and and, and the living rising up. And we meet the Lord in the air. Listen, the rapture is something that could take place any moment. We don't need another sign. We don't need another war. We don't need another famine, another disaster. Listen, we're not looking for a sign. We are listening for a sound. Two distinct phases, the second coming and the rapture, they're both separated by that tribulation period. That's the reason when we talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. Listen, the second coming of Jesus Christ will not happen till the end of the tribulation period. And the signs of Christ's second coming, is, listen, that Jesus talks about is, is something that is going to happen, and as we get closer... Those birth pains and contractions—they're going to get more and more. But listen, I warn you—you you don't need another sign before Jesus could come. He could come today. It's kind of like—it's kind of like this. Let me just give you this illustration. We're—we're we're real close to Christmas, right? Come on. When it comes to the signs of Christmas, when 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 Christmas gets near, there's all kinds of signs around. The rapture, the second coming of Jesus is like Christmas. When you get to the fall, you start hearing already commercial. We even got a Halloween over with. They're already talking about Christmas, right? Come on. Thanksgiving's going to take place November 24th. You don't hear nothing about Thanksgiving. But guess what? It's going to happen. Hello? Doors are going to shut down. You won't go to work. You're going to get together with family. Thanksgiving is something that is imminent. It can happen. It's going to happen. We don't have a big hula about the Thanksgiving thing, but we do Christmas. And listen, as as things begin to escalate, the Middle East, the spiritual deception, all of the unrest, the natural disaster, listen, they all overlap each other. They're pointing to his second coming. But Jesus isn't talking about his second coming, or the rapture, he's talking about second coming. And then lastly, what he's teaching us, he said this is all about stage setting, not fulfillment. Everything he's saying to us about the signs of the time is a foreshadow of what will come after God's people is rapture to heaven. There's all kind of signs that, that the Bible gives us. And it's important that we we keep up with, with, with the news. I'm not saying that. It's important that we read the Bibles. We know. Yet, listen, we can't, we can't get so captivated by signs that we stop listening with the sound. The trump of God will go on sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to be with the Lord in that's going to be an incredible time. You understand that? I love this. I, I didn't put this first, but let me just read it. Hebrews 9, 26. Because I think we can take comfort in the best is yet to come. Hebrews nine twenty six says, Christ has appeared once and for all at the climax of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it's appointed for man to die once and after that judgment, So Christ, having been offered once and for all to bear the sins of many, will appear the second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting. You understand when Christ does show up, when Christ comes back to this earth, he isn't coming as our Savior. He's coming as the judge, but he's ultimately coming to save those who eagerly are waiting for it. Now, most of us in this room, we're saying, Pastor Phil, I sure hope I'm gone before all this stuff in, in Revelation happens. And listen, I pray we are. But we do know as the contractions continue to move and we still feel the birth pain, some of the persecution that we're seeing around the world about Christians, it may continue to move towards the United States of America. We're seeing it right now. With some of the hostility towards people of faith, but listen, we're not going to lose hope, are we? Come on, we're not going to give up. We're not going to get down. We're not going to get worried. We're going to say, you know what, God, you've got everything under control. Come on, somebody give the Lord a praise if you believe that. Listen, we're, we're gonna we're gonna close this morning. There's there's a communion cup it should be setting in front of you. If you're up in the balcony, you might have to reach behind you to that. Because, listen, communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever you're familiar to call it, it, the Bible teaches us it's a regular reminder that we look and we expect his return. Matter of fact, when you read Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11, he says we take this cup and we do this in remembrance of him till he comes. Now, listen, we know Jesus is coming. Communion is that reminder of what he did on the cross. He sacrificed himself. He resurrected himself from the grave. He put together a body of Christ, a church. And he says, listen, I'm going to redeem my church and my people. I'm going to come again. John chapter 14, it just said, if I go, I will come back to receive you unto myself. And I love that. He's going to come again. What? What the challenge is. That you and I stay in the race. The challenge is today. Come come here, Sister Rhonda. I want I want you to share. Rhonda, she walked this 5K with with um, sunshine. And um, she was sharing with me afterwards. And I, I she didn't know she's gonna do this. First service, she got real emotional. And uh, but but I wanted I wanted her to share because she she I feel like the Lord gave her a unique experience towards the end. Thank you. Cheer, cheer with the people. am
0: going to be prepared now. I wasn't the first service. <laughs> it caught me by surprise. Now, knowing me, you know I'm not a runner. And they uh, mentioned the marathon is for runners. I said, I'm not going to do that because I tell people, you know what? If some, you see me run and get your gun, shoot it because something's chasing me. When I was a little girl, I wasn't running. I was riding my bike everywhere, but running wasn't for me. But when I found out there was walking time, I said, oh, me and Sunshine can do that. I mean, I probably walk three miles a, uh, a week, you know, so maybe once to twice a week as far as that goes. But we got there, didn't know what to expect, but we had to get up early. Sunshine didn't like getting up at 4 o'clock. But we got up early, and we had to be there. Well, it was it, 13,000 people there to run?
1: Almost 15,000 people. 15,000
0: people. So everybody's getting out in the middle of the streets, and you're just got people all the way around you. This is life. You're thrown in there on that road, and everybody, they sound the trumpet, and you start walking, and you start going down the road, and you're working people, and people saying, hey to you, and hi, how are you? Fine. They keep walking. You got some friends that's there, and they come up and say, hey, how are you? You making it okay? I'm doing just fine. We're doing good, and they pass you. Then there's some people in front of you. They slow down and then you pass them. And you keep walking, and you get some people get further away, and there's just a few hanging around, and you keep walking. And I got to thinking, you know, this is about like life. And so I'm hitting over some mud puddles and hitting some potholes and walking around. The wind's cold and it's blowing and hitting you in the face and looking at sunshine. You making it okay? Yes, ma'am. You okay? Yes, ma'am. We keep walking. We hit the first mile. It's a sunshine. We made a first mile. We're almost there. We, we're doing it, good girl. And then we go to the second mile. Oh, sunshine! There's a the second mile marker. And then we get halfway through that, and this little girl comes up walking to me, and she says, "Hey, how are you?" I said, "I'm doing just fine. How are you?" She says, "I'm doing good." I said, "What's making you walk today?" She says, "Oh, my husband's running." And she says, "I've got uh, a problem." And she says, "I don't, uh, I don't relate good to him being out like this." She said, I got ADHD. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, so I keep myself occupied while he's out there running. I said, well, that's where you're having a good day then. She said, yeah. She said, but I've had a wreck. My collarbone's broke. Got four ribs broke. And she pulled something. I said, well, Lord, girl, how did you do that? She said, I was on the middle of an electric motorcycle. And uh, I had a wreck, ran it into a wall. I said, oh, honey, you must have been in a lot of pain. She said, I was, but I'm better now. So we just kept walking. And I, I said, are we almost there yet? She said, oh, we're making it. And she said, we'll be getting it. And she said, we can run this curb and another curb, and we'll be close by. She said, You we just keep walking? And she said, you'll know you're there because you see things start changing just a little bit. I go, oh, okay. That'll be good. And so we keep walking, and sure enough, I start hearing music. And I hear this great, quiet crowd. And I'm going to start crying now. Mm. Great crowd of people shouting, You're making it. You're almost home. Keep going. And I go, Lord, this is going to be like that day when we go to heaven. We get to hear those that wow. have prayed for us. Our mothers. Our daddies. Our great-grandparents. Yeah. aunts and uncles that's already passed us. Down through the years, they've prayed for us. They may not be living today to see it, but we are surrounded by the great crowd of witnesses, yeah. and they're cheering us on.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, when you get closer and closer and closer and you, you see those people that passed you, they're standing over there on the lines on the sides, and they're screaming and hollering, you did it! You it. Come on in. Come on in. And then you got people on the other side of the finish line smiling. Come on in. You finished. You finished. They put a ribbon around your neck with the token on it that you finished. Wow. Wow. Then you walk on a little further and they give you a hat. My crown to warm my body. Let me tell you, it's going to be worth it all to see Jesus come back. To be able to go and see. You You know what? When I got up there and I got all that, got my banana, got my water, I stopped. And I said, you know what? Those potholes don't mean nothing to me now. That cold wind that was hitting me in the face, it means nothing now. Those mud puddles that I walk through, hey, they don't mean nothing. You know why? Because I walk through it. Because I know the reward was at the end. Hallelujah.
1: She can preach, couldn't she? Yeah, she preach.
0: Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at Pastor Phil at HCC3D.com.
1: Have a blessed week.